Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello and welcome to Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird. I'm your host, Brenda Baird, a certified professional coach and energy leadership master practitioner. Along with hosting this radio show, I am also a professional coach with individual teams and leaders of small or large organizations. I partner with these people in order to build their self-confidence, create clarity and purpose, and improve satisfaction with their life, work, and career, helping them find those answers within themselves to make it possible to achieve their dreams. Today's show is focusing on energy. Our discussion will be on energy levels and how energy affects how we show up in our life and our work. This leadership topic is at the core of my coaching practice, as well as the work of my guest today, Rick Maurer. You know, I looked up in the uh, Webster's Dictionary the simple definition of energy, and, and this is what it said. It said, energy is an ability to be active the physical or mental strength that allows you to do things. So I believe that when most people hear that we're going to have a discussion about energy or we're going to speak about their own energy, that they often refer to it as sort of an output of some kind. Well, the energy we're going to talk about today is really based on our consciousness or our self-awareness of who we are. This kind of energy is the potential that we have for success in our life or at work. Now, I call it energy leadership. And in my practice, energy leadership is the principles of core energy coaching. And I see core uh, energy coaching and lead energy leadership as how you interact with everyone, um, including yourself. Sometimes we tend to think of leaders as corporate CEOs, people managers of small or large businesses, but I believe that we are all leaders. Everyone is a leader somewhere in their life and most definitely the leader of our own life. If you don't think of yourself as a leader, then you are limiting yourself on what you think you can achieve. Leading is the way we help people move to action, including ourselves. So the question is never, are you a leader, but how well do you lead? And your energy has everything to do with how well you lead. Joining me today in this discussion about your energy level and how you show up is change advisor, speaker, and author Rick Maurer. Rick's work in organizational change has been featured on CNBC, NBC Nightly News, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and The Economist, just to name a few. Rick is best known, though, for his best-selling books, 
beyond the wall of resistance and why don't you want what I want? So welcome, Rick, to Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird, and thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks, Brenda. It's really a pleasure to be here. Yeah. For our listeners that are tuning in for the first time to this show, we focus on leadership. We explore the topics that are important to being a great leader. And as I said earlier, I believe we are all leaders somewhere in our lives, and certainly we are the leaders of our own lives. So I hope today's topic inspires you to reflect and to take some action to lead yourself to live your best life. So if you would like to join the conversation with Rick and I, please dial 646-716-9397. Press 1 to get in the queue and you'll have an opportunity to ask us questions directly. Or, of course, as you know, you can always send your questions to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. Well, it is absolutely a privilege to have you on the show today, Rick. So why don't you start us off with a little bit about your background as a change advisor? Hmm. Well, it, it started a very long time ago, and this is going to sound like it's going to be a long story, or, and it's not. Um, I was in graduate school studying the, the issue of working with kids who had been labeled emotionally disturbed and how to work with them in schools. And I remember the professors in the program I was in saying, you know, a lot of these kids aren't disturbed. It's the schools that are disturbed. And if we can change school systems, we'll have fewer kids going around being disturbed. And I bought that line of thinking back then and I saw it happen in schools. I started studying the field of organization development. I kept seeing it happen there. And I kept, and I was continually curious about, so what impact do organizations have on people? And so why people might support or resist or leave or do any number of things. I got interested in kind of this systemic dynamics of all of that. And that's what what it got. It took me a while to get to where I am now, but that, that sitting there in a couple of graduate school classes is what got me going in this. Oh, fabulous. We have actually had previous shows uh, about change, but I think today's show will be a little bit different in that we're going to look at change from the resistance perspective to better understand why so many people struggle with uh, change, with new projects, Um, why sometimes the change initiatives even fail. And it's interesting that you sort of described it as how organizations have an effect on people um, and then ultimately how that has an an impact on the success of that organization. So although your work um, primarily has been focused on organizations, I do think – Tell me if you agree with this or not, but I think the theories about change and that would also, you know, pass right through to individuals at home or even in their personal aspirations, right? Yeah, absolutely. But even for us at home, that home, our home life is a system. And so there's a lot of, you know, schools of, of coaching and counseling that are, you know, based on systems theory in the family system. And same, same is true in the community you live in and all of that. So the dynamics are the same, whether you're talking about an individual, a couple, or a corporation of a few thousand people. Yeah, 
That's exactly right. So what are your thoughts then about why people resist change? Yeah. By the way, I, I was a guest on a, a friend's, uh, a class that he was conducting in China last week. And I did it, you know, over the internet. And one of the questions I got was, is the person with the idea always right and the resistor always wrong? And I got a, I got a, yeah, I got a kick out of that question. And the, and my thought is my view of resistance is absolutely counter to that. And yet the question really spoke to the way many of us think about resistance. If I've got an idea, I must be right. And if they're resisting, they therefore must be wrong. And I really don't look at it that way at all. People resist for good reasons. There's something about this idea. Now I use the word change a lot, but it can be, you know, tiny things, anything where you want somebody to, gee, I don't think you look good in that tie. I mean, kind of thing. It can be something that simple to something major. There's reasons why people resist it. And I came up with uh, a theory of that, which I suspect we're going to get into. Uh, Uh But it's, but resistance almost always happens in reaction to something rather than, this notion that there might be born resistors out there, that they're the lost Myers-Briggs personality type or something. It's just not true. We, we support things and we resist things in reaction to what's going on. Yeah. In our previous shows, we, uh, I actually like to refer to change as transition. We're, just, we're actually moving from one thing to another. Yes. And how we go about making that movement forward or whatever direction we need to go Um, people respond to that. So that's exactly right. So we call it resistance when we have an idea and someone says, well, I don't know how that's going to work out, uh, often viewed as resistance when in fact it's really just uh, their personal reaction. I, I get that also in my personal individual coaching. I often see clients that actually though can get stuck in sort of the status quo of their life, meaning that their life or their work becomes so familiar to them that they they can't see any way to change it or any reason to change it. And they often just want to stay there because they know what it is and that mm-hmm. it works, even if it doesn't actually work work well for them. And as a core energy coach, we have to sometimes help our clients to get unstuck from those old patterns and beliefs that don't really serve them well that can mm-hmm. often, often cause them conflict. And often I find these patterns actually come out of their past experiences, you know, childhood or young adult. So we really do try to help them to uncover the story that they tell themselves that prevents them from really taking the actions that they want to take or they need to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in preparation for our, our conversation today, I took a a quick look at your website, which is just filled with wonderful resources um, for people to take a look at around change and how to manage change. Um, And and in in that was a video where you, where you tell, give people some advice about how to actually begin change or what to do if they actually begin to feel resistance is creeping in. So I wondered Mm -hmm. if you would share with us um, those questions or that process to help people yeah. sort of get off on the right foot when they have an opportunity presented to them. Great. Um, and feel free to interrupt me because the question you're asking, like, you know, so how do I get started and all that is really mm-hmm. 
may I, it, maybe it's not ninety percent of the of the challenge, but it's a very high percentage. And so my work with clients tends to be kind of right at the stage that you're talking about right now, that somehow. Mm -hmm either I or we get an inkling that maybe we ought to change, but we're so comfortable and we da-da-da-da-da. The first thing we need to do is we really have to get a clear picture of where are we today. And yeah. I'll say a little more about that, but the tendency is to want to move to action. So, for instance, when I'm working with clients, like doing a speech or something, I'll say, how many of you are members of exercise clubs? And a lot of hands go up, and I say, do you enjoy going on January 2nd? And people start to laugh. And I said, why are you laughing? And they said, because every machine is being used. All these people made New Year's resolutions. And I said, well, <laughs> how do you feel by the 1st of February? And they said, oh, it's great. We've got the place to ourselves again. The, the problem with moving to action too quickly is we really haven't appreciated the status quo. So yeah. why aren't we exercising? It's not because we're evil, you know, uh, decadent people. There's some reasons there. And we need to have a picture of, of what's maintaining the status quo. What are those forces? Uh, like I'm going to have to cut out my time with other people. My friends are going to make fun of me. Uh, mm. I'm, you know, there can be a million things, but I've got to be able to take a very sober look at the forces pulling me toward change and the forces maintaining the status quo. And until I've done that, it is very, very difficult to change. Yeah. So, so that's the first question. And then the second question is, so where do I want to go? Which that now is uh, Robert Fritz talks about in the path of least resistance. We now have a picture of where we are and where we want to go. And his belief is the tension between the status quo and where we want to be is what allows us to start to make changes. And in large part, I agree with what he says. Yes, absolutely. I think so often people don't know where to begin or even if they do begin, as you described it, they take action early. They often will get discouraged, and they they won't finish what they've started. So you get the membership to the fitness <laughs> club, and by April, you're done, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the same, too, at the heart of um, core energy coaching processes, to look at the thoughts behind what drives people forward and what holds them back. So core energy leadership deals with that same thing. What is the cause instead of what is the effect that we're trying to, trying to have? So in your work, you have created, um, as your work developed, just as you described, you've created this concept of the energy bar. So I wonder, would you mind sharing that story behind how you developed the energy <laughs> bar? I think it is, I think it is so enlightening. And then explain to us, you know, what the energy bar is and sure. what the concept it means. Okay. So you mentioned my book, Beyond the Wall of Resistance. And in that, I talk about a cycle of change, which I have adapted from the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland cycle of change. I, I talk about my, my model of resistance, which is something we will get into when we talk more about the energy bar. And anyway, there's, I was working with a technology client, and the people in the room knew my models. And so they're t trying to apply it to something, and they were just getting all tangled up in words. I mean, and these are very bright people. And mm -hmm. it was just, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm getting frustrated. And I stopped them, and I said, folks, forget all these words. You know, you're, you're talking about the people who need to support you. It's, it's just energy. It's either going this way or it's going that way. 
And this one nuclear physicist said, oh, that's good. And, and the whole meaning changed. I mean, based on that silly little intervention, it changed. They were now talking just in plain English about is the energy moving toward support or toward resistance and how come? And I, got, I think about, thought about that. Next week, I was working with the, the change leaders in uh, a large nonprofit. And they were talking, it was about three people in this group, and they were talking about uh, the people who need to support them and the people resisting. And, and I said, you know, just help me get a picture of this. And I said, I drew on the whiteboard a horizontal line. And I said, look, just think of this as a bar of energy, okay? And up on the right side is support, over on the far left side is resistance. And that's all I put on the board. So if your listeners can just picture a horizontal bar on a whiteboard, yeah. you know, the word support at one end, resistance at the other. And people said, oh, yeah, here's where we need people to be. Here's where they are now. And they had this great conversation. And a few more people came into the meeting. And one of the people on the team said, hey, Rick, do you mind if I teach them the energy bar? I hadn't even called it anything yet. And I, and, you know, and I'd only, and it took me as, it took as long to explain that my, this new model to them as it did to just tell you about it. And yeah. he now wants to teach it. And so based on like a minute's worth of input from me, he's now teaching it and they're all using it as a way of framing their conversation. Is the energy moving, you know, where do we want the energy to be? Is it moving this way? Is it moving that way? And then I had an opportunity to do some work uh, in three European countries uh, over the course of uh, uh, just a couple of weeks. And I thought, this is a great place to test it out. And so I started adding language to it and, and developed it as a tool and now have a website with a bunch of videos and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but that's, that's the overview. And would you like me to go into kind of what, what goes on in it? Yeah, I think it's, it sounds fascinating, and I think so often we, we come up with these brilliant ideas, and they really do just come out of the spontaneous uh, conversations that we have. So, yeah, I'm sure the listeners would love to okay. hear more about what the Energy Bar does and its concepts. Okay. So, first of all, I, when I use the Energy Bar, it's, it's a tool to help us uh, – figure out what we need to do to influence other people. Now, I suspect we might be able to turn it inward and just look at us influencing ourselves, but that's not where my work is. And so I'm just going to focus on us with another person, which could be a spouse. It could be a boss. It could be a you know, customer. It could be anybody. So the first thing yeah. you need to say is, so what energy do I need from them? And I've put three terms kind of on that side of the energy bar. And the first one, I just need them to be interested. I don't need them to do anything. I just need them to go, huh, that's kind of interesting. So we planted the seed. They're thinking about it. The second mm -hmm. place where it could be, which is a little more energy, is I need them to be willing to do something, like willing to come to that meeting next week, willing to try something out. All right, so what – okay, so what if we only hiked in the Grand Canyon for three hours? Let's just see how it works out you know, rather than putting on a backpack and going for two weeks, you know, something, uh, yeah, I'm willing to do that. And then the third yeah. one is maybe I need you to be a strong supporter. I mean, you need to jump in all the way. You need to be a leader, all of that. Any of those are legitimate, but I need to be clear about what I want from you or this group mm -hmm. that you represent. So am I being clear so far? Yeah. 
Okay. All right. So, so first, so let's say that I want this person, we'll call her Brenda. Uh, I want her to be a strong supporter. All right. So that's, that's what I want. And I'm clear about, okay, and here's what I need you to do and blah, 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 blah. The second thing is where is her energy right now with regard to whatever I'm talking about? So it could be any of those positive things. She might already be a supporter. She might be willing. She just might be interested. Or on the other side of the scale, we now have some terms for resistance. And the first term on that side is lack of interest. You know, Rick, I hear you talking. I'm just not interested in that topic. Right. You know, and we've all been in meetings where it seems like what's being talked about is really important, except it's not important to us. Right. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm still waiting to use what Mr. Fister taught me in ninth grade algebra. You know, he, he, I think he was probably a good teacher, but I, I never made the connection of why I wanted to spend my precious time uh, learning algebra. And, you know, yeah, okay. You know, and, and the, the thing about it is if that time ever comes, I won't have remembered a thing from those many, many years ago. Okay. So the first is they're just not interested in what you're talking about. The second, which is a little further from where you want to be, is grumbling. Saying, oh, man, there goes Rick again talking about that. Why doesn't he get off that blah, blah. There's something about this idea that you don't like. So it's not lack of interest. There's something about it that may be scary. And, okay. and yep. then and one thing is that might be scary is, I mean, this could cost me my job or I don't want to move across the country or whatever. But it also could be I don't trust Rick. You know, Chris, Rick is a nice guy. I like having lunch with him. But he comes up with these ideas, and a week later he's moved on to something else. So I've gotten on that bus too many times. Okay, so, so now we've got un- disinterested, we've got grumbling, and the last one is opposition, mm. where hmm, Brenda's energy is likely to be work in opposition to what I need. In other words, there's something about it that she's going to work against it. I mean, this is real resistance. Okay, yeah. so, the first thing I, okay so the first thing I need to do is what, what energy do I need now? What energy is there today or am I likely to get? And now... I see two places on that energy bar, and usually there's a gap between what we got today and what we need to be, and that's where the work is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is also so true with, you know, taking that concept of energy and placing it into the individual coaching world is that so many times people are somewhat disengaged from their true passion or their fulfillment they yes. play so many roles in their lives that they actually going to get lost in knowing exactly what what is important to them and who they are being. And I could see where this actually would translate into the corporate world as well. You're in your job. You know what you're doing. You're sort of going through the motions. And then all of a sudden, Rick's got this idea that he wants to try to do it different <laughs> and um, and then how we react to that, though, is what I call our energy presentation, and that can hmm. really have a profound impact um, on other people. You know, how once Rick tells us he wants to change, my response has such an impact not only on Rick, but also the other people in the room. 
and I'm sure I'm sure you would agree. I do agree. I actually, if if it's okay, I would love to hear just a little bit more about what what you mean by energy presentation. It's a really intriguing uh, phrase. Yeah. So, from the coaching perspective, from core energy coaching, we actually use seven levels of energy. And whatever level of energy you actually are defaulting from in a situation is what you actually present out to the world. Hmm. And this happens on an almost unconscious level. Um, yes. And, and when you present that energy to the, to the whatever your situation is, work, life, home, or even in your own internal voice to yourself, what you put out is sort of what you get back. Um, and, and so it, I call it the energy presentation. If I'm looking for there to be a positive change, or if I'm open to the change that you just talked about, say we're in a meeting, if I'm operating from a lower level of energy, I'm going to present that back. Um, and so it's in the coaching world, it's about shifting those perspectives so that, um, people look at things differently, um, accept things differently, yeah. Uh, in a way in which they can present themselves in a more positive, positive wow. light. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, the work that you've actually done with the energy bar and how you have actually seen improvement in change initiatives within organizations. Sure. Um, by the way, the energy bar, I mean, it's, it's really, it's a, your listeners can tell already it's a really simple tool i mean just embarrassingly simple underneath it lies 20 some years of (laughs) my thinking about and developing models so there's there's a richness there but what i'm finding more and more is it's the little things that really make a difference in fact that what i'm trying to do with clients now is say look i don't care what change model you use there's some really good ones out there what I would like, encourage you to do is an overlay is look at energy because it's really easy to have a bunch of steps. Okay, here's what you need to do. And those steps could be for an organizational change or they could be for an exercise routine or whatever. And to say, all right, when I move from step two to step three, am I doing it with any kind of energy or am I just click checking the box? Because that costs you. Well, I went to the gym, but basically I sat there and drank coffee. Well, I don't really get to count that as my, my day of exercise. Um, you know, or we had a planning meeting and everybody showed up and it lasted for two hours, just like it was supposed to, I can check it off. And the answer is no. What did you expect to happen in that meeting? Well, I expected people to get engaged, maybe get a little angry, but get curious, be, you know, interested enough that they wanted to come to the next meeting. And then I asked my clients, did that happen? And the answer invariably is, I don't know. Mm. Because, and, and here's what they don't say out loud as often until I prompt them. I say, yeah, because you were paying more attention to your slideshow or what you were going to present rather than your relationship with them. Right. And so what I'm trying to do is not give people some grand new model as much as I like the models I've written about is a simple way of tweaking what what they do and so i'll give you a couple of examples um mm-hmm. this nuclear physicist i mentioned who said when i first said hey it's just energy is moving this way or that way he really followed the development of this with me he 
is on the executive council of a major nonprofit, and he's now the chair. And he called me and he said, you know, I'm going to use the energy bar at the next meeting. He said, our executive board, we get together, I don't know how often, a couple times a year maybe. And he said, we always come up with the same priorities. And everybody nods their head. These are important priorities for our organization and for our members. And he said, and then we don't do much on those things. And he said, as a member, I was concerned about it. But now that I'm the, the head for a year or two, I can do something. He said, so what he ended up doing at the meeting is he said, imagine the floor is this bar of energy. And yeah. up here is support and down here is resistance. And then he, he named those places. He said, I, let's take this one high priority item. We always say increase membership. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, it's important. So individually, I'd like you to stand on where's your energy for working on that issue. And he said, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just where is it? And so now people stood up and they're standing on this thing and they're literally taking a stand and they're having to say, here's why I don't have energy for this, or here's why I do. And now they've got data for, let's say it's 10 people in the room about, you know, quite often saying, oh, that's not why we're not making progress. Intellectually, everybody says this is important, but nobody has any energy to do anything about it. Then yeah. what are we going to do with that? And he said, by the way, there, when nationally membership went down, 2% during the following year, membership in their uh, part of the organization went up 2%. So that's a 4% gap. And he really attributes it to the quality of conversations that they had in that meeting. Yeah. So there wasn't some grand seven-step plan that I came up with. I didn't motivate them. I didn't, I just said, you know, and he's the one who came up with this idea. Why don't we just stand on that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's, yeah, sometimes it is just the simplest of ideas um, that are just ingenious because people can relate to them. You know, people can relate to a bar and, and the flow of energy. So it yeah. really is a, a, a wonderful practice. I just want to remind our listeners that we're going to be ready to take some calls. If they want to call in, the number is 646 716 9397 if you have any questions for Rick or even if you just want to comment on some of the um, processes that we've been talking about today uh, just call in 646-716-9397 press 1 to get in the queue so Rick as you have uh, been doing this work how have you seen the use of the bar actually change how leaders lead. Uh, well, uh, just had a call yesterday with a, an executive in a large um, firm. And the, the executive is, the organization is going through some really, really big changes. And this executive is kind of the point person for this. And the other executives all know it's important. But, but sometimes he thinks that you know, the support is kind of lacking. And, and this person got intrigued by the energy bar. And so they were having a planning meeting come up. And I said, so 
what what's your concern? Well, my concern is that people are going to have a lot of gripes and they're going to go, man, we're busy and we're blah, 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 blah. And we're going to use up all our time because that's what we do. And I said, and I said, so that's not what you want to do with the energy. And, and the, my client said, well, I want people at least to be willing to try some new stuff. You know, that would be a great thing by the end of the meeting. And I said, well, how about this? How about acknowledging where their energy is right now and give them 10 minutes just to say, this what concerns me about having a meeting about this today. And just tell people, we're going to do 10 minutes on this, you know, period. And, and you can even say, and we'll get back to it later on, but I really want us to try to do some planning. And I said, just see if it works. Remember, it's an experiment. And so he did that. And he said it was amazing. He said it just opened up the energy. And we had, he, he said we had an all-day meeting that was unbelievable. And then people were coming back saying, wow, this is great. This, this is exciting kind of stuff. And as we were debriefing a couple of things, he said, you know, what I'm doing is just making the, the tiniest little changes. In fact, he was going to teach them in part of the meeting the energy bar. And he said, I looked at them. And he, he said, I just knew that if I talked right now, and no matter what I said, energy was going to go down. Just, yeah. said, I, just had an I had an intuitive hunch that was going to happen, so I didn't teach it, and I went on to something else. So what impresses me about that leader is, one, he's willing to experiment, and he's really interested in those other people. They aren't an object to him, just a means to an end. There are pieces on a chessboard. You know, they're human beings. And so if he picks up energy is in one place, he acknowledges that, he supports it, and he tries to do stuff that's going to help energy move in a direction that he thinks might be more productive. Yeah. I really hear in the examples that you've given and and just the demonstration of the use of the energy bar, first of all, how simple it is, uh, the simplest of ideas. Also, how it seems to shift a leader's perspective into looking at the value of communication and that communication being a two-way feedback loop. Um, you yes. know, that's what I hear where, you know, the, the sometimes standing in the front of the room talking to our staff is not where we're going to have the greatest impact. Sometimes it's standing there and listening as well to what they have to say or, or understanding their you know, their reactions. So um, I also um, just want to mention real quick, there is someone who's been trying to call into the show. I can see them on the switchboard. Um, If they want to, um, I don't know if they're having trouble connecting, but if that person would like to call back in, um, I will interrupt and we'll take your call right away. If not, feel free to send your question to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. So, um, as we're sort of waiting for that person to dial back in, hopefully, Rick, I know the same is really true for core energy coaching. Um, the principles around that, as I mentioned, are the use of the seven levels of energy. And with core energy coaching, we actually divide energy into two categories. One of them is catabolic, and the other one is anabolic. Um, the lowest form of energy uh, is the catabolic. And it's levels one and two. And it's where people operate um, out of a state where they often attract negative things and they often react. 
I would imagine when you're working with teams and you're you're introducing the the, uh, the energy bar and some of your other um, change management tools that you use, that you often see people who operate out of this lower level of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they typically I see their characteristics con as worry or fear or apathy, and mm-hmm. sometimes they can even get angry or defiant. Um, Certainly, they are experiencing stress and struggle and frustration, and making decisions can sometimes be really, really slow if they're even able to make decisions at all. And so I wondered, as I described those catabolic low levels of energy, I wonder how that relates to the energy bar. Um, I think you've probably already answered it. It's down at the resistance end. So I was just kind of curious about how you might relate that. Right, right. Well, often when I'm working with clients and they'll say, here's where we need energy to be, but intuitively they know it's going to be, people are going to be grumbling, let's say. And then I ask the question, why are they grumbling? And here is where uh, this model of resistance that I came up with, I think really helps uh, them get their finger on it because often they don't know. And I'll say, look, it can be one of three things or a combination. One, it could be, they don't get it. They just don't understand what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen well-meaning people explain something to other people using all this technical jargon, but their audience doesn't know that jargon. And consequently they lose their audience. So that's a simple one. It could be what I call level two, and that is a fear. There's something about this idea that scares them, like I'm an old dog. I can't learn new tricks. It might cost yep. me my job. I, I'll look bad. I'll lose face. I'll, all of that kind of stuff is very personal, and we usually don't talk about it, and that's a deep one. Uh, and uh, as you were saying earlier, we we can do we can manifest that without ever even consciously knowing that we're 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 scared out of our minds. Yeah. So level one is I don't get it. Level two, level two is I don't like it, and level three is I don't like you. So yeah. here, yeah, here the resistance isn't against the idea; it's against the other person or who the other person represents. There's something about that person or who they represent that scares them. So I'm a consultant and I know when I walk into an organization that people are not thinking to themselves, wow, how lucky is this? We get to work with another consultant. (laughs) Well, I bet you he's going to, you know, talk about downsizing and everything. This will, you know, that's not, you know, so I have somehow got to try to demonstrate that I'm different than their perception. And sometimes I succeed at that. Sometimes I don't. But if I don't touch on that level three, that thing of just it's me that they're resisting. If I don't have a way to work with that, I could have the best idea in the world and they're not going to hear it. Uh, Or they're certainly not going to go along with it. So so when people are using the energy bar and say, I've got to influence this other person, these people, I'll say, all right, so what are the level one, two and three issues? And by the way, each of those could also be positive. For instance, let's say you're, I'm trying to influence you. And so I go at level one, how much does she understand about this issue? And it turns out you might understand a lot. So at level one, I don't have to worry about that. We both have an understanding of the data, same data. At level two, I go, huh, 
Yeah, maybe. This is really a threat to the direction that 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 she's moving and once once all these things to go. Our third is, you know, our history together is not good. And in fact, when I used that scorched earth policy on the last change, that didn't go over well. And my hunch is she might be afraid I'm going to do that again. So, so now I've got data, and that's the data I need to start working with to try to shift energy up into that positive realm. Because if I, if I look at that data and go, oh, isn't that interesting, and then go back into selling mode with my slides, I've missed right. the point. The point is I have got to deal with those real issues. Absolutely. The same is true then, um, I think, then for the anabolic energy. And so in core energy coaching, the levels of energy three through seven are what we call anabolic. And people who operate in that um, level of energy oftentimes experience more joy and satisfaction in their work. And Mm -hmm. I can see where this concept of once you get past level one, two, three on the energy bar, that feels so heavy and so negative and so filled with you know, anxiety and fear that once you can get past that and mm-hmm. shift your energy, um, you really can start to have better awareness about yourself and life can look more optimistic. So um, tell me, how does that relate then as we move up the bar um, where people actually get more satisfied or, yeah. or yeah. Well, th- there are two, two, two reactions to that. I mean, I like, I like the, the way you're describing that one is it, if I'm looking at these other people, if I start to say, well, their energy is at one and two, I'm putting a judgment on them. And I, then I may go further and go, and I bet you, I know why, because they're not as, you know, they're not as good as I am, or they're not as dedicated or something. And suddenly my judgments are going to, create a wall between us working together. But if I understand, if I see that energy is at this catabolic level of one or two, and I say, there's just no energy for this. If I allow myself to get curious and go, how come I'm so energized about this and they're not, I need yeah. to get curious about that, not to try to sell them, but to understand them. Because if I do that, then sometimes, um, and I've seen leaders do this really well, to say, all right, so what would make this work? You know, uh, right. you know, they'll say, hey, we really do need to go. We need to move to this new technology. We, I don't think we have a choice on that. But what, you know, you, we really value you and your input. What would make this a good process? And put the responsibility on, on those other people. But it's a way of respecting them and engaging them in the process. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the beautiful thing I think about energy work is that we totally have it within ourselves to shift it. You know, it's not something that you're just born with and, and it's your personality and you're just stuck with it. it we yeah. have the ability to shift it. It all starts with um, self-awareness and, and the awareness that we're actually operating in those lower levels sometimes is news to people. I mean, mm-hmm. they really are totally unaware um, that they're operating in yep. in those uh, in those realms. I actually um, I do a little experiment with my clients, and and we'll try to give us a try over the radio and see how it works. But um, if 
and I have a terrible storm passing through my neighborhood right now, so I'm sure you can hear that over the air, but um, here we go. Um, What I do with my coaching clients to give them sort of a physical way to understand what I'm talking about when, when we talk about anabolic and catabolic energy is I have them to take two fingers and push those fingers into their ribs as hard as they can. And then as they're pushing on their ribs, try to get them to think about something or to talk about something that they would <laughs> like to share with me. And, and then I ask them, you know, so how did that go? And they will, you know, inevitably they will say, it's a distraction. I, you know, the, the pain in my rib, the pressure in my rib is a distraction yeah. from me being able to talk the way I want to talk or to articulate the thoughts that I have. And then I also remind them that even when you take your fingers away from your ribs, that you can still feel that for a while. You know, it kind of lingers for a while, the -hmm. pain in your rib, and it remains a distraction for you. So I kind of see that as a leader when they have change coming down the pipeline, that if they don't think about some of these ways in which they communicate the change or uh, you know, think about where the energy level is, they actually could have a room full of people that are absolutely distracted by the pain in their ribs. Yep. <laughs> and they can't articulate what it is that they really think or feel, the questions that they might have. They certainly aren't going to be open to, you know, whatever is ahead of well, them. So, well, yeah. yeah. And, you know, first of all, I, I love that story. Um, the, I think there's a second part too, is that once I take my fingers away from my ribs and now, uh, you know, it's whatever it might be a personal thing. It could be work thing, but something new comes up. Somehow that pain comes up again. It's like I'm sticking my fingers back in my ribs again, because until we've actually come to terms with, Oh, that's what causes me pain in this situation then we yeah. keep kind of reliving it in psychology in psychology. It's called unfinished business. I have a, a, a good friend that I remember when she was in her forties, she said, yeah, you know, I'm going to keep reliving adolescence till I get it right. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of that kind of thing. And that we do that. It can be a brand new leader, brand new situation, but Oh, and I, that those, we get the fingers in the ribs and, you know, they're phantom fingers at this point, but they're, yeah. they're, they have the same effect. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're working with teams and they get off track in this nature, um, perhaps maybe they haven't brought you in at the beginning of a change initiative. They're bringing you in at the point where they're sort of off track. How do you help a team that's off track to get back on track and move forward? Okay. Um, the first thing is they have to be interested in, in getting back on track. And so I really want to set the stage by saying, so where is your energy right now? Mm-hmm. So using that example, those people standing on the energy bar, doesn't make any difference if I actually use the energy bar or not, but I want them to get a picture of what is right now. Take out the camera, get a picture. Here's where our energy is today. Mm-hmm. And bef- then we can start to look at, Where's energy within the system to support that? What are we going to do? But it's, I spend a lot of time on that, helping them get a picture of this is what's going on right now. 
And if they go, wow, that really is a man that that describes what's going on. I go, so what are you doing? What are your strategies right now? And they'll say, well, we're doing this and this and this. And I'll say, is that how's that working out for you? It's kind of a Dr. Phil question, I guess. And but and they'll say, well, no, you know, we keep doing that because we've always done that, but it doesn't work. Yep. You know, so then being the skilled consultant that I am, I'll go, well, then quit doing that. You know, and yep. we're, we're able to laugh about it. But the first thing really is saying, so where's our own energy? Or, and let's say our energy is high, but the other people around us, it's low. Let's get, let's not get into blaming them. Let's say, so what, where's their energy and why is it there? Yeah. And now what can we do? To try to help shift that energy, if there's anything that we can do. Yeah, um, what's the one thing we can do to just move it up one step? Uh, yes, could really have a positive impact. Um, it's really fulfilling when we see our clients realize that they actually have choice in that, and you know, and that with that choice, they really, they really do have yeah. freedom to to react in a different way. Yeah. So um, we actually have a couple of questions I, that I got in the email I'd like to share with you. Again, the number to call in if you want to call directly is 646-716-9397 and then press 1 to get in the queue. The first question comes from, um, from an individual who is a leader um, within an organization, and, and she says, my company recently announced a complete restructuring of our quality organization, which is fine, but it's going to happen next week. <laughs> My team went into shock and the VP leaders are saying now, what's wrong with your team? They are so resistant <laughs> to this positive process. <laughs> she doesn't actually have a question other than she in capital letters says, help. Yeah. <laughs> So well, I think the defining thing here is that, you know, springing change on folks is never a good idea, uh, especially if it has a dramatic impact to an entire team. So what's your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, shock is absolutely the appropriate response at this point. I mean, yeah. it would make sense that people would be in shock when something that major is sprung on people. Um, you know, the, you know, there's because I don't I don't know enough about the situation to even you know suggest anything, and she isn't asking a question either. But yeah. I would, but what I would do is I would take the shock and maybe her own shock too seriously. That doesn't mean you get depressed and start cutting out of work at three o'clock and going to the nearest bar. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is that you acknowledge this. Um, just so that you can kind of lift some of that energy so that you can start to say, all right, so what do, now that we know where we are, and yes, that was a cruel blow, what are we going to do? Yeah. But I'm not even going to be curious do? about what are we going to do until somebody takes my shock seriously. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm not suggesting like about therapy, by the way. Heard, I'm right? sorry. Yeah, no, but it's just a – it, it goes back to that leader communication where you feel heard, where yeah. it doesn't mean that, that, you know, the restructuring is going to stop, but that the leader would actually take the time to just let the, this team be heard. This was shocking to us. We, this came quite unexpectedly, and the change is going to happen so quickly, we're really left feeling shocked. 
you know, and mm-hmm. just let that be heard. Um, yeah. You know, some of these points where you've just, the emphasis is on uh, communication. So, yeah. All right. It, so it, here's it, a, it, oh, oh, can I just ahead. say one more thing? Yeah. As much as I'm a fan of what both you and I have just been saying, I also would put boundaries around it. You know, you mm. want a crucible, a place where you can actually contain a fire rather than a raging forest fire. And so a boundary around it might be, let's spend the next 15 minutes just, you know, just us in the room. Just what's our reactions? Let's just get it out. Boom. But we're only yeah. going to take 15 minutes so that it has a boundary to it, you know, and yeah. with an acknowledgement. We can't do anything, but, you know, let's just see what we can do to try to get it out of our system. If, because I've been in meetings where people say, well, let's let it all hang out. And seven hours later, uh, people are worse <laughs> off than they were before. Yeah. And I facilitated That's a really those good meetings, point, too. Though. Yeah. So, so I, we're going to let everyone be heard. We're going to put a boundary around the time. We're going to, the next 20 minutes, we're going to sort of work through the shock. And yep. then we're going to move on. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Here's the second email, Rick. It says, I'm getting ready to start a big IT change project. I normally just tell my employees with a PowerPoint presentation. They sometimes just stare back at me with a blank stare, and they don't have any questions. So how mm-hmm. could I go about building better support up front? for my change project? That's a wow. great question. Man, great question. it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, there's a huge difference between why and how. And what's critically important right at the beginning is that people get it in their gut why this IT change is needed. And slides will probably not get it in their gut. It needs to be something where people go, whoa. They get it basically at level two at an emotional level, and they trust the data. Now, uh, this isn't a technology example, but I want to give you an example. I was working uh, in a chemical company, and they needed to do some stuff about containing various kind of costs. And this guy who's the head of environment, health, and safety for the plant got up and said, look, um, I'm not going to go over the Environmental Protection Agency guidelines. You all know them very well, blah, 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 because everybody's expecting to be bored out of their skull with all this PowerPoint show. He said, but I went around the plant yesterday, and I took some photographs. And up on the screen was this huge chemical tank with a little spigot. Now, that's what I saw because I'm an outsider. Everybody else in the room went, whoa, because what they saw was a corroded spigot. And he didn't have to go over and say, oh, do you see the corrosion? Do you see what might happen? He didn't have to connect the dots. They got it. And what he yeah. did jokingly is he said, hey, did I tell you I took that yesterday? He went through 10 pictures like that. Um, so what you need is some way of literally or figuratively giving people pictures of like, whoa, because of our current IT system, we are losing sales or we are, it's taking us, you know, three months longer than our competitors to do X or, but something that people, it just sinks in and you really have to work at that. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, uh, I know one company brought in a customer who had chosen someone else to say, here's why you guys lost. 
And yeah. that, you know, that person didn't have to be a great speaker. You know, she didn't have to have great stories. These people had, she had credibility. They didn't have to like her. She had credit. And they, they, they realized we better listen to what she says or we could lose the next contract. So I really would urge you, uh, and I've got some stuff on kind of this why before how on my website, you might take a look at it, but there's also a book uh, by the Heath brothers. There are two jazz musicians, Heath brothers, but it's not them. It's Chip and somebody Heath, Dan, I believe. And I think it's called Made to Stick is their first book. And it's a lot of stories uh, basically about getting people's attention in that way. It, I would urge you to just, um, you know, take a look at that uh, yeah. for starters. And, Okay. The second thing is once enough people are going, I see why we're doing this, see if you can cut back on the slides and make it more mm -hmm. of a conversation. I had a, a client in a technical organization where PowerPoint is just the way, if you didn't use PowerPoint, you weren't credible. And he, you know, it was just part of the unspoken rule. And yeah. I kept getting him on, on him about that. He called me one day and said, Rick, I got my 50 slides down to five. <laughs> and he said, so I got credit because I already used, I was used slides. He said, but what happened is there was a lot more conversation in the room about key points. So I would yeah. urge you to, by all means, use slides, especially if that's the corporate culture, but have the slides be provocative, like questions, you know, or something, yeah. but don't try to give them a book up on slides because it just, you will cause energy to go out of that room almost instantly. And the fact that you're rec this is to the person who wrote in about that, because you recognize that now you are steps and steps ahead of other IT professionals as they're going into meetings tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It really leads into um, the, the comments that you just had until one of the final questions that I have for you. And in, in when I read your book was learning from the past and why that is important as we're preparing for the future for us to look back at things that maybe didn't go so well. Yeah. I, so. yeah, I'm a part-time jazz musician and the advice I've gotten, it's took me, taking me a long time to pay attention to that is to record everything that I do. And Sometimes I just I, I don't have time to listen to all of it, but listening even to the past that was an hour ago or two days ago, I start to hear things that I wasn't aware of in the moment, and I can start to go, oh, look at that. I was playing that one little habitual melodic pattern over and over. What was I thinking? <clears throat> that was boring. I wasn't even aware of that. Uh, yeah. So looking to the past could be that meeting that you just had an hour and a half ago, or saying, you know, that big change that we did or little change that we did that didn't go well, what was missing? And sometimes it takes, you have to be a far enough away from it to have the guts to go back and look at it. But often we can learn about these habitual patterns. Like <clears throat> I'll tell you, for most organizations, it's PowerPoint. It's just they yeah. overuse it. The meetings are all one way. There's an obligatory Q&A at the end, and that's about it. And you could say, yep. you know, that hasn't worked nine times out of the last nine changes. Maybe we should try something different. <laughs> what handsome. I, you know, what I'm getting from your, your comments to that question, too, is that the leader is taking responsibility for sort of the, from the change announcement. 
you know, it's not the finger, like earlier in the earlier question, you know, the, the question of they look back at me and say, what's wrong with your team? The leader is actually taking responsibility to say, what responsibility do I have to make sure that I keep the energy at the right level coming out of me so that you can respond in a way that we can keep moving forward? Yes. So, yeah. Well, listeners, if you want more information about Rick Mara and Mara, I'm sorry, I think I spoke your last name wrong. Yeah, it's Mauer. Mauer. It's a hard, it's Mauer. really hard. Yeah. Yes, Rick Mauer and his work with the Energy Bar. Just check out his website at rickmauer.com. That's R-I-C-K-M-A-U-R-E-R.com. So I think this has been a fabulous show. There's so many parallels between core energy coaching and your energy bar concepts. Um, thank you so much for, for being on the show. And if for anyone who wants more information on core energy coaching, or you want to see how coaching may be able to help you, you can check out my website at brindabairdcoaching.com. So join me again on Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird uh, next Tuesday, July 26th, when I'm going to talk about company culture and how it is at the core of every challenge. Hmm. So as we're closing up the show, Rick, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We need another hour, don't we? It's a great topic. Yeah, God, I was just I was starting to think. It's a quote by Abba Eben, the, the uh, a diplomat. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's he. He said once said, nations and people behave wisely once they've exhausted all other alternatives. And um, the point is, we can we can really we can look to the future and say, you know. There's a lot in the past that I can learn from stuff that worked and didn't. Let's let's try some different things and. You know, that whole notion of experimenting really is, a, I think, can be, really be very, very helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We had some really great questions today. Check out the show on July 26th. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central. You can find a link to the show on my Facebook page, Brenda Baird Coaching, or sign up on my website, brendabairdcoaching.com. You can also go to my website and click on the radio show page and find an archive link to this show. So if there's things that Rick said that you sort of missed and you want to listen to them again, just click on the link and you can hear the archive of the show. Rick, it has been a pleasure having you with us today. I hope you'll stay in touch and come back again soon. Uh, It was a great show. There's lots of great information. Uh, So thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. And I think that's a wrap, Tommy. So until next time, be safe, everyone, and have fun. Thanks, Rick. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.